hotspots. All right. You're in your own galaxy, John. Uh, In my mind, I am, yes. We're still struggling. John John was just telling me the story of his his new Starlink, which will hopefully allow us to start recording, you know, really good <laughs> video and audio again. Not that we th- sure not hope. that you folks get to not see good video and audio because of as we've mentioned how it's recorded, but we have a delay, of course. I have a delay mainly because of my brain. John, you know, that's all technology. <laughs> uh, but we we <laughs> We uh, we started with that, but we're also talking about we had a lot of really good conversations before we even hit record. Folks, you should have been here for it. Yeah, they're actually much better. <laughs> when we, the the conversations we usually are much better. And, and then we hit record and we go like this. <laughs> uh, staring into space if you're listening. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gotta like it. We're always so staring we were, into space. We were, though, common for us. I know it is. We were, though, talking a little bit about... Uh, EVs, and you had a really interesting point that a lot of people might not think of, and I didn't. When you're talking about your Jeep, um, the E, oh, uh, tell me again what it's called. It's the E something. Four by E. Four it's by E. Four by E. And um, yeah. it, it's in terms of oil changes, because as we said, dealers, um, auto dealers are having uh, they're having to reinvent themselves a little bit, especially when it comes to maintenance, because. Uh, Normally, with a with an ICE vehicle, internal combustion engine, we talked about the old days when dudes would change the oil every two or three thousand miles, and oh, yep. you know that's how I know my cars are going to last forever, and blah blah blah. Well, as it turned out, viscosity doesn't break down for until uh, uh, much later for most of those uh, oils. They've really improved in quality and so on, but with your four by E, you run it on strictly electric power. From time to time, and a lot of the at, time, okay, a lot of the time is fair, and um, so it does not run the actual gas motor in the vehicle. So talk about that because the ten thousand mile uh, interval for your engine. Yeah. Well, so let me put it into a little bit of context for for you folks because John and I had a lot of back conversation. I'm I'm about to take my wife's car to get an oil change, and she does not have a hybrid; it's a regular ICE engine. And she's a little bit over her, her oil change, uh, her, her suggested oil change, which both John and I agree, that's just an arbitrary number because the car's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, and, and she's not that far over because a lot of dealers have convinced us and convinced themselves that they need to have the oil changed every, what is it, 4,500 miles? Yep. When in reality, a lot of cars last a lot longer. And it's not just the oil. Oil's part of that, but it's also, it's also the engines. The engines are much more efficient and they don't burn oil as much as they used to. And they utilize what they have quite a bit more so they can go a lot further. So that led me to my story about my my last oil change. So when you I'm leasing my Jeep, as, as many of you know, and with Jeep, they give you three oil changes with your lease. Well, with my mileage on my lease, I should only have to use those three oil changes, which so far I'm I'm doing that before my lease ends. So I never have to pay for an oil change, which is, it's a great perk. My oil change interval, according to the system and and the book is 10,000 gas motor miles. But as I've mentioned before, I have an electric motor in there, several electric motors, but I, I run on, I can run on full electric whenever I want to. So when I'm just tooling around town, when I'm going in my, my general neighborhood, I've got 25 miles. I hardly, I, Rarely, unless I'm doing a lot of running around, 
I rarely ever hit use my gas. It's almost always electric. I just hit the button. I'm fully electric and I tool around town. By the time I get home, I'll be rolling in with another mile left, charge it up and go and do it again. Uh, so I really don't use that many gas miles unless I hit the freeway or I go a long distance, a lot longer than that 25 miles, uh, 25 mile mark. Like if I'm going to the airport or something. So I, then I'll obviously use gas miles. So the internal system, which is tied to an app so I can look at it and it'll tell me my oil health only tracks motor miles. So in reality, when I got my first oil change, I was already at 13 or 14,000 miles before my 10,000 mile oil change was expected. And so I got my oil changed. And then the very, the, the interesting thing was I went to the, when I went to the dealer to get my oil changed, everything was great. They put the little sticker up in the window and it said, your next oil change is due in 4,500 miles. Like, no, no, it's not. It's 10, <laughs> 10 motor miles. So awesome. I, I just find that very interesting that they're still sticking to that. And John made a very astute comment. And it's something that I thought we should talk about because we are still car guys. I mean, I know we haven't really talked about it much, but we are, that's the business we're in. Um, they, John made the statement that dealers need to really start looking from a, from a fixed op standpoint, from a, a, a service and repair standpoint, look at how their operations run, because they're still depending on hopefully tricking someone into thinking they need to get their oil changed every 4,500 miles. And I'm saying it pretty <laughs> bluntly and meanly, but it, that's not necessarily the case. So what are some other tips and tricks a dealer might be able to do to, to increase their service ROs in their service department? John? Yeah, well, I, yeah, <clears throat> we might view it as trickery, but I think the dealers are, I, look, they're, they're just trying to encourage people to keep coming back and to utilize them for their maintenance work. Because let's face it, if it's just oil changes that you visit dealers uh, for, um, it, there's a lot of competition. You know, there are the Jiffy yep. Lubes and the Firestones and the, you know, you name them, they're everywhere these days. And that's fine, but what dealers are more concerned about, I think, is the uh, new prevalence of EVs. And and not because it's a big thing now, because it's not. It's still, no matter what the government wants you to believe, it's mm -hmm. still a tiny percentage of the overall vehicle production. And, right. and certainly the vehicle uh, uh, volume in general that's out there is a tiny percentage. Not that that's right. good or bad. I'm not, we're not commenting on that today, although we have in the past. Um, what I, what I'll say though, is that if you look toward the future and you need to, as a dealer, you need to be looking for what are some things that you can do with EVs. One example is tires. In fact, they are, mm -hmm. uh, traditionally EVs are harder on tires than right. an ice vehicle. And that's often because of the weight that is something to yes. do with it, but it, they're hypersensitive then to inflation levels. So if you don't inflate them and keep them inflated the way they need to be, then you're going to have undue wear on the tires and of course, mm -hmm. rotating balance and things like that. Um, that's one of the things. Brakes are another thing very important to look at for EVs. And, and again, and our main point in bringing that up is not to say, hey, dealers, if you're listening, uh, and you might be, then you need to look at some ways to, to and it's for all of us in any business setting, if you're not looking to the future, you're going to be left behind, uh, especially exactly. in the days of AI and technology, the, the level it is, you really need to, and it's a lot easier said than done. 
you need to think uh, toward the future and what it brings, not just 10 years down the road, but even 30 years down the road. And then how do what you do in the next five years feed that 30 and, and learning along the way? It's, it's a, a really a different mindset than we used to have, I think, uh, just in business in general. So uh, it makes it, it kind of interesting, but, but it's a big part of it is learning how to uh, scope into the future and say, this is what I see coming down the road. You may be right or wrong. Things can change dramatically um, based on, uh, infrastructure, as we're seeing with mm -hmm. charging in California, for example, charging EVs, um, but it can also change by government regulation. So things, boom, overnight can can be made completely uh, uh, different than what you anticipated. So it's just kind of yeah. fun to think about what goes on. So avail yourself to experts and don't be afraid to ask questions. And that's that's a key. And, and another area, I think, and, and brings me back to this Jeep dealer um, because, you know, different experience with the tag and everything. That's, a, that's, those are the guys in the back putting, putting the work in. Yep. I spend a lot of my time consulting with dealers on the sales side, on the front end. And we talk a lot about what separates you from everyone else. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we're focusing on now because of our culture, because of, of the nature of business in general is the customer experience. How are you going to stand out? If your prices are exactly the same, and, and this goes into service too. If your prices are exactly the same as Jiffy Lube, what's, what sets you apart? It's your customer service. It's the fact that Jiffy Lube doesn't rotate tires. You made a great point there. They don't do brakes. They don't do any of the other maintenance. They just change oil. Mm -hmm. we, we shouldn't be so dependent on that. And we need to focus on customer experience. And that was the one thing at that dealership that I was so happy with. And I don't, I don't consult with this dealership. But my, I go to one specific person. I, you know, every time I make an appointment, it's with him. His name is Jonathan. He's a great guy. Jonathan focuses on customer experience. And that's why I keep going to him is because while I don't agree, and this is, has to do with the tire thing we've talked about before with the, the, I don't agree with how they, they think about that and what they say. Mm -hmm. Jonathan is willing enough though to hear me complain about it and talk to me and, and actually try to, solve problems, even though he hasn't been able to, the fact that he's willing to try is enough for me. And that's yeah. going to be enough for customers as well, as well. So that's a, that's a really big point, but I love what you're talking about specifically with EVs. I can use it as an example because I have firsthand knowledge. My Jeep actually has different tires on it than any of the other regular Wranglers. And they are the same tires that you'd find on a 2,500 or a 3,500 truck size truck. Because they, it's because it's so much heavier than all yeah. of the other Wranglers. So it does, mm -hmm. they, they do, and, and they are wearing out faster than I would have expected them to. Uh, well, and I'm only considering the way driving you it. drive, you know, you do a right. lot of off, off roading it and then racing. I know you race with uh -huh. a lot of, a lot of racing. I you know, squawk the tires right and left. Um, no, but it, they are, the, the vehicles are a lot heavier. So it does, yeah. it makes a lot of difference, but it also, so thinking outside the box, that brings mm -hmm. me to another, uh, uh, situation I had recently, a uh, conversation I had rather with a dealer in Texas and he's in a smallish town. It's, you know, it's uh, not like it's over, I think 30,000 people. So it's not okay. a tiny town, but it's not no. big by any means. It's not a metropolis. Um, and this particular dealer sells EVs. And he's got several in the lot, and his concern is that he's not moving them. Well, I said, let me ask you this. Let me start with you. Do you have a charger on the lot? He's like, yeah, but it's kind of old. 
Do you advertise it? No. Okay. Are there any other chargers in town? No. So why don't you think about this? And and this has nothing to do with, you know, our the conversation we're having with the mm-hmm. dealer, but a dealership, but think about this as another business opportunity. Look into investing in three or four charging stations that you can actually charge money. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've done done this before. I've gone to a place where they give you the first hour for free. And mm-hmm. it's like 30 cents a minute afterwards. I go and charge mm-hmm. for two hours. It costs me eight or nine bucks. It's not mm-hmm. a lot of money for me, but if you're doing that constantly with people, you're going to make, you're going to make your money back on the investment. Why don't you look at mm-hmm. that? Get some level mm-hmm. two chargers that you can charge people and advertise the hell out of it. You've got the space and no one else in town's doing it. And now people are coming to your lot and people yeah, will and buy from you because you're giving them a good experience. That's the other part is that you can even, uh, even if you want, you can have special times or whatever where it's free or where it's, you know, a reduced rate or, or whatever, because you, you, I mean, it's really becomes an advertising expense um, that, you know, if somebody, instead of charging them nine bucks, you just say, um, uh, if you refer somebody or whatever, you know, you get, yeah. you get some special, uh, a car that gives you time on the, on the charger or whatever, but exactly, but that's something like that can be, you're right. Without it, you've got nothing. And if nobody else has chargers in town, well, it's no wonder you're not selling any EVs, number one, but, but right. number two, uh, maybe other people who do have them instead of going to a nearby city or wherever they're located, uh, uh would get it done closer to home and stop by and get some coffee and donuts or get, you know, whatever exactly uh, while they're there. But yeah, it, it puts yep. you in a favorable light. That's a great point. And you could, you could even take it a step further. Your lot's a great idea. That's where you should start, <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't, you, it's like a vending machine. You could put them anywhere. You could literally, you could go to a business and say, Hey, let me partner with you and I'll split the profits. I'll, yeah. I'll pay for the investment. So I get 60 or 70% and you get the rest. Yeah. Why not? Good thought. And and so what do you know, have any idea what the investment would be for a level two? I mean, I have none whatsoever, but. I heard once, but I don't know if it's still the case that they're about $100,000. Okay. For, okay. for a, an actual level two that has all of the technology in it to allow you to charge and not charge. Charge when I mean charge your credit card. Yeah. So and I'm wondering. Cheap, but I'm wondering. Well, initial investment, but I'm wondering, you know, what ongoing investment is because obviously it's using off the grid, it's such, using, you know, right, quite a bit of power. Well, I don't know what that would come to on a monthly basis. And that's a great question too, because I think part of that that hundred thousand dollars was, and, and I'm I'm not looking at the charger. That I don't think the charger itself costs that. I think it's the installation and and bringing the power lines to it and all that yeah. stuff. So I think yeah. that's why it's that investment is so expensive. So. If you're going to do a, a charge bank, you yeah, know, if one costs you a hundred thousand dollars. A charge bank of two or three might cost you one hundred and twenty-five thousand. So it. it's not exponent. It's not a hundred thousand per yeah, charge yeah. bank. Yeah, makes sense. That makes sense. So well, I, and again, I don't know. I don't know the prices for that, and I, I bet you it depends on your community too. This particular community has its own power grid with uh, with wind power. Okay. So well, that, they could be cheaper, you know, or not <laughs> or more expensive. Yeah. It just depends. It does depend. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's funny. And we've, we've had these conversations about, um, uh, you know, uh, alternative energy and, and so on. Um, 
and they're all options. Of course, all these things are options. Um, I heard funny or seen some relatively funny memes or challenges for, uh, uh, that if you drive an EV, then you should only be able to use alternative energy to charge it. <laughs> Which would never work. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, it's an interesting thought because uh, look, if you're anyone who says I'm cleaner because I'm driving an EV doesn't really understand that uh, 80 right. plus percent of the EV chargers are powered on the grid, which is right. 80 percent non alternative yes. energy <laughs> yeah so anyway it, it's look i think it's a viable thing and it's something we should have talked about years ago uh, i'm glad that uh, that evs are becoming uh, attractive to a certain percentage of the population i i'm not happy that the government is putting its thumb on the scale uh trying yes. to to force well, anytime and companies corporations look at cadillac forcing yeah. them to um to get into an all ev mindset and yeah. they will not they will not last if they do that so no uh, because uh, the demand isn't going to meet the supply even if it and, did even if it did the ability to charge them is not yeah. going to it, it, it just is not viable it's just not no unless Unless, which now I'm giving way too much credit to someone or something that I shouldn't give this much credit to. See, here's me going political. You see my dog behind me? See your yes, I do. Um, <laughs> anyway, the uh, maybe their grandmaster plan is to get so many EVs on the road that are gonna that's gonna challenge the grid. So then they can look at other alternative power sources that they can dump millions and billions yeah, of dollars do it in into. Hindsight, that's need. a great idea. That's yeah, exactly. a terrific exactly. idea. <laughs> well, you know, you're going to have to wait and your car is sitting in the garage and gosh, it would be great to be able to charge it, wouldn't it? Um, it would, wouldn't it? So we need to spend more money on infrastructure yeah. and on, um, so whatever. So It'll, let's, uh, you guys will be, yeah. now that you have that car, it's not being used. Let, let's, you know what, let's charge you some extra taxes, tax dollars. And so we can build this other stuff. And yeah. if you it's think their, that, it's their master plan, if it's, you it's think cabal. charging, uh, <laughs> it's one of the many. If you think that <laughs> that uh, the electricity to charge your vehicles is going to be free, and that's that was I heard that from many people when they decided to go with an EV. Well, I don't have to pay for gas anymore. Just wait, just yeah. wait. You'll be paying you as say that, much. Though, I that. will yes. say that my yeah. my Jeep takes with my level one charger. My Jeep takes about fifteen hours to do a full charge, twelve to mm -hmm. fifteen hours. Mm -hmm. I have not seen an exponential increase in my uh, power usage in the house. And that's I, I, was, good. I was concerned about that. Yeah. So it hasn't been exponential. Has it increased? Well, yes and no. Um, in the winter, I have not seen an increase more so. Okay. I mean, everything has increased because prices have increased. Sure. I didn't see an increase based on solely on the old numbers if that makes sense like if if, if okay. nothing had changed I, I maybe would have seen an extra two or three dollars on my bill mm -hmm. but nothing i it wasn't like fifty dollars okay and that's fine yeah two or three bucks who cares I, I my guess is it's about the same as my pool filter and pump probably <laughs> I, yeah it's I would, probably I would similar that. to that which yeah. runs 12 hours a day <laughs> right right so whatever um yeah i mean 
look, if you can afford to spend it, that's fine. It's just the, it's the irrational thought though, that you will be able to get energy. However, it's generated for free. It just doesn't happen. And yours is a different story. Yours, I think, uh, because it's a hybrid, essentially, it can go, mm-hmm. uh, it can go both ways. <laughs> See what I did? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. it, it is a much better call Be- and, yes. and it makes the vehicle much more viable because yes. you do not depend on one or the other necessarily. Right. I mean, gas, probably so. Um, especially if you're taking a long trip or whatever. Yep. Um, but, but electric. On your vehicle, well, it's just, it's really a convenience if you ask me yeah. for you. And I think it, it works is. beautifully for that intention. It does. I, I think for what it is for, like I said, tooling around town <laughs> or, or even going off road, especially if I'm, when I was in the mountains, <laughs> I'd use the battery up going up the hill and I would charge it pretty much to full going down the hill. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's a trade off. And, yeah. and that's the thing too. So even on long trips though, you, you say I depend on the gas and I do. So if I drive on one full tank of gas on flat roads on the freeway, if my if I, if I start at a full tank yep. and my battery is empty, I can mm-hmm. hit recharge, which the battery the the engine will recharge it and drive gas for my full. That's three hundred miles is my my uh, distance that I can go on a tank of gas. So let's say three hundred mm-hmm. miles, that will fill my battery up to about seventy five percent. Okay, so so then so... I've got more that I can use in my battery. You can go additional. And and that's that's great. Yeah. Does that negatively impact your fuel economy and the on the oh, hell yeah. motor? Oh well I'm curious. Oh, no, I no, didn't no. Know the that. motor does not. The motor the motor does not. So if I if I and I've done this test before, if I hit hybrid, yeah. which means it's also using the electric motor and the gas motor, my fuel mileage does not improve. But but charging no, 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 I was talking nope. about, does it get worse? If you're charging nope. your electric, it does not change your gas mileage? Nope, it oh, doesn't. Oh, wow. Okay, so you would be doing that At least all I the haven't time, seen then, it. I would think. Yeah, I do, and I do. So, yeah. like, when I, whenever I take a, I will, so what I'll do, like, when I take Peyton to school, sometimes yeah. I'll do battery all the way down my road till I hit the freeway, because I know once I go over 70 on our freeway, because ours mm-hmm. is hilly. If I'm yeah. on a flat freeway, I can use electric. But if but on ours, my gas motor will kick in on hybrid anyways. So oh. I just hit charge and I'll charge my battery all the way until I get off the freeway and then use battery all the way to school, battery back out to the freeway, charge it, battery back to the house. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. But it, do you have to do you have to make that change or does it do it automatically when it's on hybrid? If it's on hybrid, it'll do it automatically. Okay. But sometimes I do it just like so there's one stretch of freeway that is not really a it's a freeway but it's not an interstate so mm-hmm. the the mile the miles per hour is uh, instead of 70 yep. it's 60 okay so i'll drive 60 and my gas because it's hilly will try to kick in and i usually hit the electric button and just do that electric okay because i can because i know the the jeep can take it Sure. And performance wise, if you're on just electric, is it really fast? Like a Tesla, for nope. example, off the line? Nope. Okay. It's not because okay. it, and so I should it's say a different like system. I, I mean, it's a uh, different system. Yep. It is pretty quick, but you, there's a very fine line. Even when it's in full electric, if I put the gas pedal to the floor, the gas engine kicks in. Okay. So then it's a mixture of the electric engine and the turbo, the four cylinder turbo. Okay. That's very fast. 
Yeah. This is the, I would say off the start, and I'm saying that for a reason like that, off the start, this one's probably the fastest Wrangler you can get. Okay. And certainly the fastest one you've ever owned. It is the fastest one I've ever owned. Okay. Fastest overall, that's a big no because the 392 will lay, will lay waste to everything once it gets going. But the 392 doesn't get off the start as fast. Ah, okay. All right. The 392 is an eight cylinder. Is that Hemi. like a Hemi? Is that Hemi? Yep. Yeah, yep. Okay. It's a beautiful machine. I would, I would probably, if I were to go do it, not necessarily, I wouldn't say do it again, but if I didn't have the four by E option, I would probably do, I'd go the complete opposite, go to the other end of the spectrum and go with that. <laughs> I with spend as much money on gasoline as I possibly can. Exactly. Let it <laughs> suck it down. Because those those three ninety twos are beautiful, and of course they just like the um, uh, what is the my neighbor has one uh, the charger. Yeah, it has a button that you can either normal oh, sure. exhaust or yeah, <laughs> kick yeah well, ass it's a, exhaust. It's a, it's a door that opens. Uh, yeah, and then it goes behind the catalytic converter. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. I, I that that is uh, that would be fun. So, but now something like that that the Hemi obviously comes in an up level model. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's so a, it's a Rubicon, just like mine. Rubicon. Okay. So yep. If it's what is MSRP off the top of your uh, head on that? I have. It depends. It's a sliding scale, but okay. I've seen it as high as a hundred thousand dollars. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it's the most expensive Wrangler you can get. Oh my gosh! Well, what's the other end of the sliding scale? Twenty. Uh, the lowest I've seen. <laughs> yeah, the lowest I've Goes seen. Goes from twenty to a hundred. Uh, yeah. Seats are optional in the twenty. Bucket seats exactly. are actual buckets. Uh, exactly. Okay, sorry. No, the the lowest one I've seen is seventy five. I have. Oh, I did find gosh. one for seventy five, but it had Which no. Which is option. stripped I, down. Yeah. It is stripped down. That's stripped down now. Stripped that's, down for a Rubicon. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's really a bare knuckles uh, well, ride. So that seventy-five thousand dollar. Let's talk about Jeez. a stripped down Rubicon. I mean, you still get all the bells and whistles when it comes to your technology. But yes. It's not going to have the front sensors. It's not going to have the camera in the front. The top, you're not going to have freedom tops. You're just going to have a regular top. It could even be okay. a soft top. Probably is a soft top if it's the cheapest. Um, you're not going to have. Uh, you're not going to have rock rails. And what's uh, what's another? That's pretty much it. Okay. Those are the things. So you're not going to have leather seats, not going to have the rock rails, and not going to. You're going to have a soft top. Um, yeah, I think that's about. That's about the lowest version of a, a Rubicon no air, you can get. No air conditioning. I'm just no. Kidding. It's, a, it's a Rubicon. I'm so just your, joking. Your dash, your tech is going to be there. I know. You're going to have it's, the biggest but, screen. You're going to have all well, of that good stuff. So then you look at the seventy-five to a hundred gap. What is yeah? What's included in the hundred thousand so, dollars? I mean, the leather seats and diamond studded steering wheel. <laughs> now you're gonna have the leather seats, heated, <laughs> cooled. You're gonna have the all of the safety stuff. So you're gonna have the the surround round, the surround camera, the camera in the front, the sensors oh, right, in the right. front. You'll probably have okay. a winch because they do come. Okay. Some do come with winches. Sure. Um, you're gonna have the the top that retracts. Okay. Because that's the most expensive top you can have. Got it. Uh, hard top with the retracting top, and okay. um, uh, you're probably going to have bigger tires. Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, look. I just, uh, I, and this is on me. I've had a, 
a visual or a, just a sense of what Jeeps are for many, mm -hmm. many years. And yeah. um, back in the, oh my gosh, they for a while were, when Chrysler took over probably was in that time frame. And, uh, and then they used Chrysler starters and they, I mean, it was just kind of, it was not an awesome vehicle. And, um, they were at the, they weren't at the top level of pricing, but just since they've become so desirable and they have, yeah. they have, wow, the prices well, are not shy. They are not no. shy about the prices. No. And, and so, um, our company, uh, well, your former company, but the company I work for now, yeah. um, they actually give us discounts because we work with a lot of different OEMs. Mm -hmm. We get discounts on pretty much everything mm -hmm. except for one thing. We get discounts on every Jeep or Chrysler car out there. We get em like employee pricing mm -hmm. except for Wrangler. Wow. If that says anything about it, but well, it does. You know, they hold their value too. And I think I've shared this with you. My very first Jeep was and and this was I, we bought it in 1996. Mm -hmm. It was a 97 model. Bought it in 1996, and it was 21,000 MSRP. Okay, I traded oh. it in. I traded it in five years later no. for 17,000. It's pretty and that strong. had 70,000 miles on it. So yeah, if that gives you strong. any idea of how they hold their their value, it does. And and I, uh, yeah, I I think back to the days when. Uh, I was working with a dealership group that had Honda and the Honda salespeople, it was, it was sort of like taking numbers, you know, people, yeah. oh, you wanted to, especially it was back in the days of the prelude, which dates me, but the prelude was a car that they just could not get enough of. And people would come in and they'd say, yeah, I'm interested in the prelude. And oh, great. I've got the chart right here. And what, uh, what color would you like? Well, I'd kind of like that yellow. Mm, sorry, we don't have any yellows. How about green? Uh, do you have anything else coming in? Blue. All right. Well, let me think about it. All right. Thanks for stopping. Get to the end of yeah. the line. <laughs> yeah. It was, that's how it was. And they had no idea how to sell cars um, because they didn't have to. And and I don't mean that in a bad way, but yeah, I sort of do. Um, so they were order takers at one time. And, and yeah. but the, the guys who sold them, used to buy cars for themselves and usually it was like an accord or a civic they'd buy cars for their their own family and uh sell them either lease it no they'd buy them and then sell it the next year and usually yeah. come out ahead and you know yeah. 12 to fifteen thousand miles and they would actually make money on the deal so yeah. um yeah it's not just cheaps but but um it, traditionally it was you know vehicles like that that held their value so well. So I'm glad to see, to see that the, the Jeeps are still viable and, and doing oh, so yeah. well. Yeah. And they, and I, you know, it's, it's just a fun, fun vehicle. You know, I think I, I hate to say, say anything unnecessarily negative, but <laughs> with my, with my first two Jeeps were, which were both the same model, they were TJs, yeah. uh, the two doors, mm -hmm. um, I always used to say, I love it. I, I really, I hated selling them and I hated mm -hmm. getting rid of them, but they were not everyday drivers because they would just, they would rattle and shake and you, you, it, they could get very uncomfortable, especially if you're doing oh, long man. trips and long drives. Like I used to do yep. a lot of, and a I always said, vehicle, you're right? gonna, it was a two door. It's a two door. Yep. And, yeah, yeah, and right, right. if you're going to have that type of car, 
you really need to have a second cart that's your everyday driver and just keep it for more of a fun car. Right. It's not the case anymore. So for it's good and it's bad because mm-hmm. Jeeps were you they were they were utility vehicles. They were true utility vehicles. They could get you anywhere and they're fun and you you just now they're still fun. They're still cool. They still can do everything you want it to do. Yep. But now they run so well and so smooth, you can mm-hmm. actually drive them as everyday drivers. So like I said, for good or for bad, it's, you know, I, I, this is fine. For, I could do a daily commute in this every day. It's mm-hmm. so comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done long trips in it. It's so comfortable. Not maybe mm-hmm. not for the person in the back seat. Just ask Peyton. But <laughs> I, th- I think it's perfectly great. It, and it's so, you know, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know how that will factor into whether or not they're going to hold their value, because sure. I think part of what made them hold their value was the fact that they were tools more. So. They were fun tools, but they were still yeah. tools. Now it's becoming like an, every other car. Oh, it's, it's very much mainstream. There's no doubt, but yeah. they're unusual enough that they yeah. fill that niche that a lot of people uh, want, you know, and, and for yeah. a while, Hummer was was kind of especially high end was kind of well, jumping into that realm a little bit, yeah. but again more mismanagement. Uh, in my opinion. well, it's not just Hummer though either, and and you make a really good point because Hummers were expensive. G wagons yep. are supposed to, yeah. and I'm oh, doing quotes wow. for those who aren't watching. Supposed yeah. to be able supposed to be another Jeep. Land Rovers mm. supposed to be another Jeep. Yeah, yeah, they were ungodly expensive. Oh so my the Jeep was the cheap alternative. It's not really point. an alternative because there was such a base to it, but they they could be they were considered mm-hmm. the cheap alternative if you couldn't yep. afford one of those. Well, yes. now they're just as expensive, if not more expensive. Well, the G wagon, G wagon, way but, more expensive. Yeah, but yeah, but, way more expensive. But, but that's you, more you of a mean, status symbol than anything else. Right. You know, that's just yes. how that was. Hummer, the yeah, H3, you're not taking a G wagon off road. I don't care. well i guess if you want to you can i yeah but yeah i um i would the the hummer h3 when it first came out had a thirty thousand dollar price level and that Mm -hmm. was entry level five cylinder engine blah 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 uh and then you know realistically the h3 the h2 i I liked them the the h1 the hummer the uh, alpha was amazing i Mm -hmm. i mean it was a, it was a ridiculously stupid vehicle for the average driver. I mean, the yeah. driver and passenger sat six feet apart, and there was nothing <laughs> but a massive console center, center console in there between you. You know, you could not fit anybody between you because it's console. It was just ridiculous. But you want to talk about being able to off road, and that's yeah. that was the beauty of those vehicles to me that they were built first and foremost as an off-road vehicle h3 not as much um anyway but i think they could have well they could have done better with that vehicle than they did yeah and i think what one of the things you're you're referring to too is the same thing i i see jeep going through Mm -hmm. uh but just at a slower pace because the jeep was literally designed for the military oh right exactly to go off-road exactly what the the hummer was built to do yep and over time, it's now become more of a mainstream vehicle. Yes. Hummer just did it in a much shorter period of time. Yes. And then mismanaged the whole transition and blah, right. blah, blah. But we'll, we'll yep. get, get to that some other day. But anyway, and yeah. I, you know, I, I know Mike is going to be sorry he's not on this 
with us today because right. I know he's drooling <laughs> talking because we're talking about Chiefs, but but um because he's just an aficionado. Like which I, like. I was thinking about you the entire time we were talking well, about it. Okay, and yeah. I'm not. This is why we don't ever pan down. Uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> wasn't going that far. Wow, no, sure take you it, weren't. Take it the whole whole other way. <laughs> Oh, now become Jamada. a whole other podcast. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, anyway, yes, but I. It, so let's hear from you, Mike. Don't be afraid to chime in and uh, do some posts for us. We'd love to hear what your thoughts Absolutely. are, and what you have to add. Because I know you will, uh, and Bill too, obviously, and anybody else. If you have anything anybody. you'd like to add, any of your uh, insight into Jeeps uh, or uh, EVs Life, or whatever we've talked service about, service departments. Today. Service Oil departments, changes, experiences. experiences. Yeah, we'd love to hear from EVs, you about plug that in stuff. Hybrid, or not, uh, not uh, charging stations. Plug in like irons. Uh, where, can they, about irons where can today? they go to comment and, and find past episodes and all that well, stuff? Well, I would start at pottymouse.com, and that really is a, a really exciting place to start. And from there, you can obviously hit any of our. Uh, any of our social networks and uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if you'd like to hear more or less or a different direction, or, you know, we could talk about anything and even stuff. We don't we know talk. anything about. Uh, we Easily. are, we're pretty much chatterboxes that create opinions yep. on the fly. Absolutely. Absolutely. John, it's been fun. <laughs> it's been a good conversation. It as has usual. been fun. You, it has uh, indeed. You, as well, and as well as all of the rest of our listeners, viewers, have a wonderful rest of your week. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. We will. See ya.